Dr. Gary, Greg, thanks for joining us. Uh, Gary, relationships are a big part of all of our lives. Any relationship advice that you, that's a favorite advice or especially helpful that you could share with us? Sure. Um, there's a passage in Ephesians 4, and it goes by, uh, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And those of us who are married think, well, that's a long night, right? <laughs> Sometimes, right? And, um, but if you look at what happens, if you let night after night, let that sun go down on that anger, some very destructive things happen relationally, like, you know, rage, malice, slander. And then it gets to a, a place that's very dangerous relationally. Um, secular counseling might call it unhappiness. In that passage, it calls it contempt. Now, when we have contempt for somebody, we, we've changed what we believe about them. And therefore, it allows us to justify how we treat them. And so that passage ends with, therefore, forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's not realistic that we can resolve every issue that we have every night, right? So, but we can say, listen, I, I'm still frustrated, I'm still upset but you know I love you, right? Right, and I love you too. So now we didn't give the evil one a foothold and we didn't let the sun go down on that anger, so forgiveness. Thanks so much for your time today. You bet. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. And uh, welcome to River Glen. Welcome everybody here in Waukesha. And a uh, big welcome to uh, everybody over in and Pewaukee and uh, everybody online joining us on the other side of the camera. Great to have you uh, with us. That was uh, Dr. Gary Gregg in the video clip. He's a licensed clinical psychologist, devoted follower of uh, Jesus. I got to sit down with him for a few minutes, talk about relationships, and he shared some just great insights. And we have a full version of that interview. It's on our website. Hope you'll go and uh, watch that. I think you'll find it. Uh, very, very helpful. Today we continue part four of our series, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Each week we give you a skill. It comes from a book by Pete and, and Jerry uh, Scazzaro uh, by the same uh, name. And today I want to talk about a skill that is uh, not only going to help you improve relationships and follow Jesus better, it is also going to help you sleep better at night. Doesn't that sound good? All of us uh, have stress, um, worry, problems from time to time that can keep us up at night. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that can keep you awake at uh, night. For example, I don't know if you know this or not, but every year 150 people die from falling coconuts. Yeah, 150 people every year. This is why coconuts, coconuts are called the killer fruit. And they actually have signs they've made. You see one of these signs, you better take cover. Because uh, this tree, coconut tree, is going to fire coconuts like bombs, Okay. At your head, dad's got a lollipop, notice that, and uh, he's not going to let go of that. His kid doesn't have one, but, uh, you know, he's got one, and uh, he's going to hold on to that, even when the tree shoots coconuts like uh, bombs, but that could keep you up at night. Here's another unexpected death you probably never thought of. Way back in the early 19th century in London, a giant vat of beer exploded and sent this wave 15 feet high cascading down the street, drowning eight people. Yeah, some of you are like, well, you know, if you got to go. But, you know, that could keep you up 
at, at night. That's something that could do that. But in reality, those are not the kinds of things, unexpected things that keep us up at night. Oftentimes, it's related to the issue we're going to talk about uh, today. Today, we're going to talk about dealing with conflict and tension in relationships. The Skizeros call this skill learning to fight cleanly. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us in the past month We've had some tension. We've had some conflict in a relationship. I wonder who it is for you. How would you fill in this blank? Uh, you plus blank equals conflict. Who would that be for you? Maybe it's an ex-spouse who's a constant source of conflict. I know somebody going through a divorce and a custody battle, and they're just dealing with a lot of conflict and tension and sleepless nights. Others of you would say, it's my former best friend. Not sure how it happened or why it happened, we exchanged words, had conflict, and I lost one of my best friends. We hardly speak to each other anymore. Others of you might say, it's my roommate. If you have roommates, you're going to have conflict. And I've seen this happen online. Online conflict has divided many relationships. Uh, a lot of times I've seen conflict on the freeway. I've experienced it at 70 miles an hour on the freeway. And finally, marriage. I mean, if you're married, you're going to have some conflict and tension in your uh, life. I wonder how many, how many of us uh, argue about the uh, phone charger, you know, whose phone has less uh, battery. Anybody fight over the phone charger or the temperature in the house? You know, we argue about one or two uh, degrees. But I think all of us have probably had fights about this one right here. I mean, we can relate to this one. In fact, I want to take a little survey. If you're uh, watching online, type your answer in the chat. If you're in the room, just raise your hand. How many of you are team over? Team over. How many of you are team under? Team under. Hey, those of you on team under, later in the service, we're going to have a special prayer time uh, just for you. Team over all the way, right? All of us have conflict in our relationships, and I think the pandemic has magnified it. Fighting is in the air, and little things can become big things. So how do we deal with conflict? Well, many different kinds of ways. Some of us are what I would call avoiders. You know, we just ignore, we, we just avoid conflict. Maybe you say something passive, aggressive. Maybe you give the silent treatment. Your mantra is, you know, I, I don't have time to deal with this conflict. And I'm going to ignore it. And I just hope it goes away on its own. Others of us would fit in a category called spewers. And, uh, we, you know, we tend to think the louder person wins. And so, you know, you yell and rant and shout and get, and get defensive and spew a little bit. And then there are those of us who are worriers. We worry about conflict. You say things like, you know, do you think she's upset? about that. I mean, she looked funny. She had a funny look when I said that. Or, you know, I texted her three minutes ago and she hasn't replied. I think she might be upset about something. You know, we worry about conflict. We worry about upsetting and disappointing other people. And it can keep us up at uh, night. And not only can it keep, keep us up at night, according to health experts, conflict-related stress is one of the top causes of sickness. In fact, there was a recent article reported on a study done by Ohio State University's College of Medicine. They took newlywed couples, they put them in an environment where they made them talk about potentially volatile issues like money, sex, in-laws, household chores, that kind of thing. And while they talked, they drew their blood. A little bit creepy. But here's what they found. 
the more they began to have conflict, the more their immune system declined. They found a direct relationship between your health and your conflict. Another study done at the University of Utah studied couples who had been married for 30 years or more. They found that the more unresolved conflict that they had, the more likely they would contract heart disease. They concluded that unresolved conflict in your life is as harmful to your health and to your heart as a regular smoking habit. So how do you think God feels about this? Remember, God's a loving and perfect father. If you were a loving and perfect father, how would you feel if you saw one of your kids having health issues because of conflict, uh, struggling to fall asleep at night because of all the conflict in their uh, life? How would you feel about that? It's no surprise the Bible has a lot to say about us getting along with each other and learning to fight cleanly and work through conflict and live in unity. And so here's the question I want to try and answer today. How can we begin to resolve conflict in a way that honors God and helps us develop better relationships? I want to share with you three ways. All three of these come straight out of Romans chapter 12. And here's the first one. If possible, live in peace. I think Romans chapter 12 is one of the best teachings, one of the best chapters in the Bible about how to resolve conflict. And if you've never read it, I hope you'll take some time this week to sit down and read Romans 12. Here's what Paul says in verse 18. He says, do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Let's break this down a little bit. He says, do your part. What's your part? Well, First of all, don't avoid conflict. Because notice he says, do your part to live in peace. If you avoid conflict, you don't have peace. You might think you do, but what you have is pseudo-peace, not real, lasting peace. Paul says, do your part to live in peace with everyone. Second, he means, are you willing to apologize? In fact, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you remember pulling aside a family member, pulling aside a coworker, and saying, hey, I just need to apologize to you for what I said back there? Young, young adults, teenagers, when was the last time that you pulled aside a sibling, when you pulled aside a parent, and you said, I should not have behaved that way. Would you forgive me for what I said? Parents, when's the last time you... Talk to one of your kids, to your son, to your daughter, and you said, you know, that's not how I want to speak to you. That's not the kind of mom or dad I want to be. Would you forgive me for, for, for the way I behaved? If your answer to that question is, you know, I don't remember, or I don't know if I ever have done that, or if I did, it's been months or years, then maybe you're not doing your Part Because notice Paul doesn't say make sure your spouse does their part. He doesn't say make sure your kids do their part. He puts it squarely on us. And he says make sure that you do your part. As I prepared this message, I studied the word conflict in Scripture. And I came across some verses I want to share with you. I never noticed this pattern before. There, there's this phrase that gets repeated. Take a look at Proverbs 29. It says an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person uh, commits many sins. Some of us here today, we may, not, we may not know when or we may not know 
you know, how it happened, but you've become an angry person. And, you know, maybe you'd say, some of you would say, you know, I know, I know, I, I hate that about myself, and I would do anything to stop being so uh, crabby, irritable, and angry. And with that kind of humble attitude, I really believe God's going to begin to do a work in your life, and he's going to help you become more self-controlled with your anger and more gentle with other people. Others of us, we may not realize that our anger, our mood, our words is stirring up conflict. Proverbs 16 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. If it's, if it's always a perverse joke, if it's always, you know, four-letter words, you're going to stir up conflict. And then he says, a gossip separates close friends. One more verse, Proverbs 28. The greedy or, or selfish, this person is all about themselves, and this person stirs up conflict with those who trust in the Lord will prosper. But here's what I want you to notice about these verses. Notice the repetition. It says, a blank kind of person stirs up conflict. If you are angry or perverse or selfish or greedy, you're going to stir up conflict. You just are. Or if you are around people who are angry, perverse, greedy, or selfish, you're going to have a lot of conflict in your life. And so how should we deal with this? Well, take a look at this verse from, from Titus 3, chapter 3. It's very interesting. It says, if anyone's causing divisions among you, stirring up conflict, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with that person. Now, let me just qualify this verse and say that if the person stirring up conflict in your life is your spouse, don't get a divorce, Okay. Jesus says what God joins together, do not separate. You need to try to work through that conflict. You need to try to resolve that conflict, maybe with the help of a, a counselor or a pastor or a marriage mentor. Did you know that we have marriage mentors, you know, in our church? It's a, it's a free ministry and a great resource. They've helped many couples in our, in our church. If you want to find out more about marriage mentoring, just go to that Go to that page on our uh, website. But we don't want to apply this verse to marriage. But in his book, The Power of, of the Other, author Henry Cloud says that for years, he never understood Titus 3.10. He says, it just seems so harsh to me. You know, you give one warning and then you give a second warning. And then after that, it's like have nothing to do with them. Then Cloud became a leadership consultant who worked with businesses and CEOs and here's what he writes in his uh, book. I learned something. Divisive people cause more harm than whatever good things they bring are worth. In other words, if you've got somebody in your company that's a, you know, a great performer, but they're constantly stirring up conflict and causing divisions, Cloud says the negative is always going to outweigh the positive. He goes on to say the real issue is the people who habitually do this, habitually stir up conflict, are not willing to look at themselves. And try to resolve things. They're not willing to do their part. He says instead they prefer to get people to side with them and agree with them. Rather than create unity and resolution. You know anybody like that? If you are part of a family. If you've been part of a church. If you work for a business. I bet you do. Somebody who's not interested in resolving 
conflict. They're, they, they might walk over to other people and go, uh, hey, let me, let me tell you about that other person. I, I mean, I, I don't want to say something bad, but you really need to know this. And what are they doing? They're stirring up conflict. They're causing divisions. Cloud says, I can't count the number of situations I've been called to that finally resolved after the boss asked the divisive troublemaker to leave. So let me ask you this question. How much conflict do you have in your life right now? And if you're honest, the answer is I've got a lot of conflict. I go to church and I'm like, ooh, I don't want to see that person. I'm going to slip into the bathroom. Uh, you come back from a family gathering and you think about your brother, your sister, your in-laws, and uh, you go, you know, I, I have a lot of conflict with them. You go to work, you got conflict with your boss, conflict with your coworkers. You may need to pull aside a godly friend, a pastor, a counselor, and say, hey, help me become a peacemaker instead of a conflict creator. Because look again at what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, do your part to live in peace with who? Everyone, everyone, not just with the Democrats, not just with the Republicans, but that's how I voted. No, no, no. He says, live in peace with everyone, not just with Christians, not just with non-Christians, not just with people who look like you or think like you or behave like you. He says, do your part to live in peace with Everyone, And I love this little tagline he puts on here at the end, as much as, as possible. It's almost like he's acknowledging that, you know what, there are some people, it may not be possible. You're going to have conflict with some people. And I think it also means that if you have some conflict in your family, that, that is not necessarily wrong. Every family has some conflict. But Paul says, do your part to live at peace with everyone. You know, I... Uh, I receive uh, emails, and, and oh, many, most of them, vast majority are positive and encouraging. Sometimes uh, I get angry emails from people who attend River Glen. It's, it's very rare, though, uh, hard, hardly uh, ever. But I, I remember one time on vacation, I checked my email late at night, right before I went to bed. And uh, by the way, never do that. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Those emails can wait until morning or after vacation. But I checked and I received this critical email. There was a misunderstanding. But I felt like the tone was, was harsh. I felt attacked, like my motives were judged. And I laid in bed that night and I just stared at the ceiling. I could not fall asleep. And the next morning I went with my family to the pool. And I was there physically, but I wasn't there mentally. But one thing... I did well. I didn't respond immediately. I slept on it. And I took some time to cool off. And the next day I replied, to, and, and I tried to do my part as much as possible to live at peace with this person. I took responsibility and apologized where I could. I, had, I even had somebody else read my response to make sure that I had a loving tone before I sent it. And then I hit send, and I didn't lose any more sleep over it. When you receive an email like that or when you leave a conversation feeling that way, as much as it depends on you, if it's at all possible, live at peace with everyone. That's the first way to resolve conflict. Here's the second way. Never repay evil with evil. Look at what Paul writes next. He says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. 
Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. Let me, let me ask you, who's your enemy these days? Who's the person that when you see them, you go, oh, boy. Who's the person when you hear their name, you can just feel your anger rising? Who's the person who, if something bad happens to them, there's a little part of you that secretly rejoices? I'm going to ask you to do something that might turn your stomach a little bit. I'm going to ask you to do something good for that person this week. You're like, I don't want to do something good for that person. Of course not. Our natural reaction to seeing an enemy who is hungry is not to feed them. Our natural reaction is to rejoice and go, I told you so. But scripture says never repay evil for evil. Instead, do good. Pray for that person. Help that person. James chapter 1 puts it this way. It says, dear friends, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. James says, there's some things we should be very quick to do, like listen. And there's some things we should be very slow to do, like speak or get angry. And then look at what James says. Look at this. Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. Your anger can never resolve the conflict. It, it can never make peace. It can never make things uh, right. I want to show you a verse that's helped me with my anger uh, so much. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be helpful to you. Proverbs, Proverbs 15 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that true? A gentle answer softens anger. A gentle answer like, you know, I can tell you're really upset. Tell me more why you feel that way. But a harsh word like shut your face, that makes anger increase even more. You know how it goes, right? Somebody says something that offends you, makes you defensive, and so you say something back, and then they say something back. And the energy level, it keeps going up until somebody breaks the cycle with a gentle answer. A gentle response, something like, hey, tell me more why you, why you feel that way. Help me understand. I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? I apologize for my behavior. Sometimes it's as simple as a, as a hug. This, this verse has helped me so much in my marriage, in my parenting, in my uh, leadership. Because now when I stand across from somebody who is stressed out and angry, I try to train my brain, and, and I think it doesn't come natural. I think we have to train our brain to see how can I give a gentle answer? How can I diffuse this situation instead of adding energy to the anger fire? Never, never repay evil with evil. Here's the third way to fight clean and resolve conflict well. Leave room for God. I'm going to show you a verse that you're never going to see on a Hallmark card. Uh, you're, you're never going to Read this verse probably ever in a self-help book. But I love the way the Bible doesn't beat around the bush. It just gives it to us straight. Here's what Paul says. Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Sometimes it's best to step back and leave room for God. But that's not easy to do, is it? Last Friday night, last Friday night, I could not fall asleep. Um, Marnie and I got away for the weekend, and uh, we stayed overnight in a hotel. Marnie fell asleep right away. I couldn't fall asleep because the guy, the man in the room next to us, got into a very loud conflict um, on his phone. Walls were like paper thin. I heard this argument. 
four-letter words flying. He would rant and he would spew. There was a pattern. He would rant and spew for about 30 seconds. And then about 30 seconds of silence, I guess, while he listened. And then the pattern would repeat again. And when every time there was a, a, a period of silence, I would start to fall asleep. You know, I'd almost be asleep. And then he would rant and, and, and yell and, and I would wake uh, back up. It sounded like a boxing match. That's what it was. He, he would throw punches and then the other person would throw a punch back and they just beat each other up for like an hour. And I thought to myself, that's how we naturally respond to conflict and criticism, like a boxing match. Somebody says, you know, I don't like you. I don't like you either. I don't think you're a very good leader. You didn't lead that project very well. I led it better than, better than you could lead it. We throw punches at everybody who criticizes us. And, and we throw punches on social media. I was, I was on social media uh, this week and I read this article that I disagreed with. I thought, oh, this is distorting Christianity. It's filled with errors. It seems so judgmental. I got frustrated and angry. And I wanted to throw a punch. And then I had this thought. God is my defender. I don't have to throw a punch at every article I disagree with. I don't have to throw a punch at every post on social media that I don't like. I serve the, the, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Deuteronomy 32 says, The Lord is your mighty defender, perfect and just in all his ways. Your God is faithful and true. He does what is right and fair. Maybe you feel attacked by another person or group this week. You need to remind yourself, I serve the Lord, and the Lord is my mighty defender, perfect and just. Your God is faithful and true. He does what is right and, and, and fair, which is why Paul says this again, God speaking, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Now, you might read that and think, well, that's not how I view God. I've always viewed God as loving, and God is loving, but part of love is justice. Part of doing good is punishing wrong. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but maybe you had unspeakable things done to you as a child. You were abused. You were bullied. You were made fun of, and maybe you feel insecure to this day. Maybe you were lied to by somebody you trusted. Maybe someone cheated on you after they said they would never cheat. They left you after they said they would never leave. Maybe somebody criticized you and it hurt you deeply. And maybe you have never been able to make peace in the relationship. What if you go before God this week and you say, God, I'm going to leave room for you. God, this person is going to stand before you someday and give an account of their life. And you promise to repay those who deserve it, which means that you don't have to uh, retaliate. You don't have to repay them. You can leave room for God, which is why Martin Luther famously said these words, pray and let God worry. I love that. Pray and let God worry about it. And then instead of punching back, you can show kindness and forgiveness, not because the other person deserves it, but because Jesus has shown kindness and forgiveness to you. You may not be able to make peace in the relationship, but you can have peace about the relationship. Maybe this week you need to say, God, I'm tired of carrying this anger. I'm tired of carrying this grudge. God, I want you to carry it. I want you to, to hold it. I want you to worry about it. I'm going to go to sleep. 
And I'm going to sleep really well. So let me ask you, how well do you sleep? Do you have any unresolved conflict in your life that's keeping you up at night? Have you done your part as much as possible to live in peace with everyone? Uh, Many years ago, I had a friend who uh, decided to leave River Glen and uh, attend another church. I don't know know why. I didn't know why my friend uh, made that decision. And part of me wondered, you know, is there some unresolved issue between my friend and I? You know, I wondered, should I reach out to my friend? And I started losing sleep over it. And so I reached out and invited my friend to lunch, took my friend to lunch. We had a great conversation. And then I asked my friend about my friend's decision to leave River Glen. And I gently asked questions and encouraged my friend to open up. And my friend shared something I did not realize I had dropped the ball on something. And so I apologized and I took responsibility and I said, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. I will take care of it. And I did. And it resolved the conflict and the tension in our relationship. Now, my friend still went to another church, but now I felt like I had done my part. And I felt like this weight had been taken off of me. And I was able to sleep much, much better at night. I wonder, who's that person in your life that you need to reach out to this week? Send them an email. You know, give them a phone call. Send them a text. Get together in person and ask them this question. Hey, I want to live in peace. I want to resolve this conflict. How do you think we can do that? I tell you what, you ask that question... And you're going to sleep really good tonight. Let me pray for us. God, I I pray for uh, anyone uh, with us today who feels maybe beat up because they've had conflict with another person. Maybe they've worried about it. Maybe they've been up at night. And maybe it's a family member or close friend and they don't know what to do about it. Sometimes it's not possible, but as much as it is possible, God, I pray that you would speak to that person about how they can live in peace and resolve that conflict. And I pray that they surrender to you and and they can let you worry about it and begin to sleep at night knowing that you are a God who does everything fair and right. And God, I pray for those of us who have a lot of conflict in our life, that we can humble ourselves before you And recognize that we need to grow and learn to fight cleanly and become more of a peacemaker. I pray you show us how to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.